Nostalgia Live Show is proudly brought to you by the Hoosier Basketball Academy. Want to improve your game and be an elite athlete? Hoosier Basketball Academy, located in the heart of Hoosier Hysteria, provides an excellent opportunity for student athletes to improve their basketball skills. Their goal at Hoosier Basketball Academy is to provide an opportunity for young athletes to reach their full potential and allow them to compete at the highest level. Using their training model, they believe a solid foundation of fundamentals and muscle memory training is critical for the development of elite basketball players. This can only be achieved if you are mentally tough, have a strong work ethic, and are willing to sacrifice countless hours needed to be the best you can be. The Hoosier Basketball Academy offers high-intensity basketball training focusing on small groups and individual attention needed to improve your game, as well as specialized training and drills done at game speed to push you to your limits and improve overall physical conditioning. One of HBA's goals is to improve the skills and abilities of each player trained by focusing on ball handling, proper shooting mechanics, speed, agility, and footwork allowing you to take your game to the next level. This training is for players that are serious about improving their skills. Hard work pays off and gives you the competitive edge in practice that carries over to games against your biggest rivals. In addition to offering training, HBA fields highly competitive travel teams with many teams qualifying for nationals each year. Visit HBAElite.com for more info. Be elite and train to be the best. Welcome to Keeping the Nostalgia Alive, the Indiana Basketball Memory Show. I am your host, Billy Powell. Today with me is a Silver Anniversary Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame member a four-year starter at Indiana State University for the Fighting Sycamores, and a newly inductee to the Indiana Basketball Wall of Fame, Rick Fields. Rick, thanks so much for taking some time out of your schedule to help us keep the nostalgia alive and talk about your life and career in basketball. Well, I really appreciate you including me, and uh, it's a great honor uh, to be a part of your show. Rick, tell tell us your first memory about the game of basketball. Oh, wow. Uh, my dad was a coach. Um, so he was a, uh, back in uh, the old days when you had the small towns had their elementary schools that fed into a bigger high school. And he was a principal, athletic director, coach of everything. And, and we lived right across the street from Michigan Town Elementary School, which was also the same school that he attended as a high school student. And, uh, so he was the principal of that, and uh, so I basically lived at that school, um, you know, just, I remember, in fact, the, the gym is still there, and it's a community center now, but I spent so much time in that gym, um, and and it was just one court, 
uh, in the gym because it's the it's the old school stuff and and so I was a first and second grader at that school and my dad uh, put a basketball goal up on the stage and put a piece of tape down uh, for my free throw line and uh, that piece of tape's still there we were there we had a family reunion there this past weekend and the piece of tape is still up there on the stage but yeah my my days of playing basketball go back to as early as I can remember I had a basketball goal out on our porch um, that my grandpa made and uh, I still have that basketball goal uh, in my garage right now so yeah from from the time I remember I was a basketball player for everybody that's listening, give us all a, uh, an idea of where Michigan Town is in, in recollection to maybe Indianapolis. It's, uh, it's about 35 miles north of Indianapolis, uh, in between Lafayette and Kokomo. Uh, so if you draw a triangle between uh, Indianapolis to, to Lafayette to Kokomo and back to Indianapolis, we're kind of the, the short, flat side of the, uh, of the triangle. You know, I think it throws a lot of people off with the name being Michigan Town. You would think it'd be closer to the border of Indiana and Michigan. Correct. Well, uh, Michigan Town got its name from Michigan Road, which was the uh, the main road that everybody drove from Indianapolis to get to Michigan. And so uh, Michigan Town got its name from Michigan Road. So we lived we lived on Michigan Road, as they call it. Before starting your high school career at uh, Clinton Central, correct? Yes. Um, was it, what was going on in the game of basketball in the state of Indiana or in college basketball? You know, did you did you follow that? Is you know who did you kind of emulate before getting into high school? Or what were the big names that were going around in Indiana basketball at the time before you went to high school? Well, yes, I, I did follow uh, everything everything that I could. I mean, I had a brother that was uh, six years older than me, and uh, so he was my idol growing up. Um, uh, I mean, we played everything. We played wiffle ball. We played baseball. We played basketball. We played football. He beat the snot out of me. Uh, I learned uh, uh, learned uh, how to lose quite a bit there as a kid. Uh, but he was a he was a great role model, really good player. He ended up playing uh, college at Grace College uh, in Northern Indiana, in Warsaw. Uh, he was my idol, and he had a couple of friends that were really good basketball players too. And they used to go around, and they would play at the park in Frankfurt. They would go over to uh, Lebanon and play with uh, uh, Brian and Steve Walker. And uh, Mount would be over there from time to time, but you know they, they would just go wherever they could go to to find good competition. And luckily, uh, my brother would take me along with me, so I was always that kid that when the when the ball went to to one end, I'd go out and take a shot at the other end, and then grab the ball and hurry up and run off the court. I did that growing up my whole uh, youth, uh, trying to trying to get one shot up while the while the ball was on the other end of the court. But you know, my brother was was just awesome to me and you know most high school high school guys would not uh take their fourth fifth and sixth grade brother with them with their buddies but i was always thrown in the back seat of the car and taken to the park and wherever they went to play i i always got to go and every once in a while you know they'd have an odd number at the end of the 
end of the day, somebody have to leave, and they would try to find a way to to get me in a game and get me a shot. So I'm I'm forever indebted to my brother and his buddies. They're they're still my idols to this day. Um, I I don't tell them that, but they are. <laughs> You know, you know, Indiana University was uh, uh, pretty dom- getting pretty dominant at that time, and of course, um, uh, U- UCLA was pretty dominant at that time. Um, did you yes. follow either one of those schools? Uh, absolutely, uh, I watched everything. You know, back when I was growing up, every Purdue basketball game was on TV, and every IU basketball game was on TV, and I watched them all. Um, I mean, I watched it. I mean, I, I grew up watching IU. I grew up watching Purdue. I could name, I could name guys, obscure guys from those teams. Um, but I, I, I just, and then I also, uh, you know, back in the ABA day at the Pacers, uh, I would sit as a little kid uh, with a TV tray and uh, make a scorebook, and I would, I would keep score uh, of, of Pacer games on TV. Which is some some you know kind of crazy, but I, that's what I did. Now th- there was no AAU in those days, so you know in junior high basketball, this, did the coach uh, from your high school get to watch you play junior high basketball? Did you know kind of what you were getting into when you went to uh, Clinton Prairie or uh, Clinton Central, and what kind of program did they have? Did they have a winning program at Clinton Central before you got there? Well, um, my brother. Like I said, he was six years older, and his teams were really good. Uh, but they never could win the sectional. And, uh, it, I mean, it was always so heartbreaking to, you know, go to the sectional. And that sectional was awesome. I mean, it it was a packed Case Arena. And I don't know if you've ever been to Case Arena, but that's where they, they filmed the movie Blue Chips. Um, that was the arena for the movie Blue Chips. But that place was packed, and you had a – you had to buy a season ticket in order to be considered for a sectional ticket because each school only got so many. And uh, so I remember growing up always going to the sectional, but we, we just didn't have any success there. And then right before I got into high school, when I was probably in junior high, and uh, I mean, Clint Center kind of went down, um, you know, as far as number of wins, and they were, they were pretty bad. Uh, for a few years, and um, and I remember my freshman year, I was on the, I was on the JV and the varsity. You know, they just didn't win very many games, and and we as JV guys, we beat them pretty good every day in practice, and and um, and so when we got up there, my sophomore year, um, my gosh, I mean, we we won the thing, and it was kind of a a weird thing because uh, we were beat by every team in the sectional in the regular season. So we were over against the sectional field. We got a good draw. We drew a team that we lost to in overtime, um, you know, for in, in the bye. So we only had to win on Friday night and then get in the championship and win on Saturday night. So we only had to win two games. But, you know, we were a team that were we were really young. At the beginning of the year, we were bad. And um, we just kept getting better. Uh, we were pretty good players. We just didn't really quite know how to play at that level yet. And uh, but you can look at the numbers of the first ten games compared to the 
to the last 10 games of that season. And, uh, you know, we, we had really, really improved. And then, uh, so we beat Rossville on Friday night and then, uh, had, uh, Tipton, who was, uh, the favorite of the sectional on Saturday night. And they beat us by 28 the first game of the year. Um, wow. yeah. And so, um, Honestly, they came in overconfident, and um, and we we got on them, and we we jumped on them, and and uh, you know held on for a two point win. Um, you know, seventy six seventy four. It's weird to remember things like that, but seventy six seventy four. We had a we had a play set up at the end of the game. Ball ball was uh, the score was tied, and and. Uh, the the guy that had the ball kind of dribbled it off his foot, went to another guy. He was kind of falling down, threw it up, banked banked it in. Buzzer sounds bedlam. It was a uh, it was one of the most uh, amazing experiences of my life because uh, we had not won a sectional in 13 years as a school, and we had not won a sectional game in nine years. Wow. And here we are. Not only did we, I mean. Our place went crazy. They mobbed us on Friday night when we beat Rossville because it was the first time in nine years that Clinton Central had won a sectional game. And then, uh, you know, the next night we come back and 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 uh, beat Tipton for the for the championship, and it was just crazy. And and that whole rest of that next week, I mean, we had pep session after pep session. We were visiting the elementary school. We had people taking us to eat every night after practice. And by the time Saturday came around for the regional, we were exhausted. And uh, we played Mooresville in the Frankfurt Regional, and, and we really didn't even show up. I mean, we were just spent. And uh, so the next year we vowed, um, in fact, when we won the sectional, uh, the next year we told – we told the coach, no pep sessions. You know, we went back to school after the game, of course, and had a, had a nice pep session, but we didn't have anything, you know, the next week. We said, no pep sessions, no nothing. We're winning the regional. And uh, so we were we were focused on, on winning that regional, and, uh, and we did it. Um, that would have been my junior year. Well, back to your sophomore year, what was it like to get that starting nod? And do you remember the game that it was against? And, and what kind of feeling do you have, you know, that next week at walking through the halls that, you know, I'm a starter on my high school basketball team? Well, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I, I was really naive about about my game. You know, I, I think I, I always was the, the type of guy that was realistic and maybe didn't realize, um, you know, what I could be, you know. Um, I, I knew I loved basketball. I knew I was good at basketball, but I, I really didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know if I was going to be a college player. I hoped I was, but I didn't know. And um, I remember the summer before my sophomore year, one of my friends said, you know, where do you see yourself this year? You know, I mean, where do you see yourself fitting in? And um, I said, I don't know. I'll play. I'll play varsity. You know, I'll, you know, come off the bench or because the leading scorer was returning 
And so for me to play, I was going to have to beat out him or um, or my buddy who was a year older than me. And and so I said, I don't know. I, I assume I'll you know I'll play varsity, come off the bench, and you know I'll play a lot. But you know he goes, come off the bench? Are you kidding? You're starting. And from that moment on, I prepared to be a starter. And and I did. I started the first game my sophomore year. Um, you know, nerves were 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 uh, a rampant that night. I didn't I didn't play that well. Uh, but you know, you can look at my numbers that whole year. You know, I think I averaged um, 18 points a game my sophomore year, but I was probably averaging 13 or 14 the first 10 games, and then. After that, you know, you see a lot of, you know, high 20s and mid 20s and things like that. So I, I figured it out pretty quick, but I wasn't very good there to be, at the beginning of my sophomore year. I was I was trying to figure out the pace and the speed and how I could how I could get things done. While at Clinton Central, did you guys like were you guys in a specific conference? Did you guys travel a lot? Did you know? Give us a little perspective on that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that when I tell you who our conference was, we were in the Range Line Conference. And the Range Line Conference um, at that time was Clinton Central, Clinton Prairie. You had, um, I believe, Tri-Central. And you had then Sheridan, Zionsville, Hamilton Heights, Hamilton Southeastern, and... Um, yeah, I think that's it. Hamilton Heights, Hamilton Southeastern, Zionsville, all Westfield. So today, if you look at that conference, I mean, there's no way Clinton Central would be in the gym with the Hamilton Southeastern, uh, uh, Hamilton Heights, uh, Zionsville, uh, Westfield. Those schools are just massive with the growth down here in uh, suburbia. But uh, but back then we pretty much dominated the range line. We won it my junior and senior year. My senior year we went undefeated um, in the conference. So yeah, it was a that was a a good conference. Really now did, good conference. Now did you play everybody twice? Did did you ever travel out of your? Did you guys ever travel out of Central Indiana to play teams? Uh, no, we played everybody one time. Um, and so it alternated each year. You'd have them home one year and on the road the next. Uh, but, you, you know, Hamilton Southeastern at that time was a, a little farm school, um, you know, and it seemed like it took about three days to get there by yellow bus. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, our our biggest trip was probably an hour away. Um, but most of, the, most of the schools we played were – within a half hour of Clinton Central. Is there any one school's gym that you particularly didn't like or you, you or the fans were a little uh, obnoxious and you like to get in there, get a win, and get out, or, you know, anything like that? Okay, here's the deal, all right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, Clinton Prairie's gym, I, I mean, I look at basketball goals and I can walk in a gym right now and look at a basketball goal, and some some basketball goals are just pretty. You know what I mean? They're just they just look great. And other basketball goals, you know, they don't take care of them. Um, the Clinton Prairie had nets 
It was like the circus. You know, they had nets that almost uh, touched the ground. I mean, they were just so long, and those baskets looked awful. And I hated shooting in there. Um, you know, Frankfurt was a tough place to shoot, but I always shot well in there. Uh, but it was a tough place to shoot because they had the the baskets coming out of the floor kind of like we did at, at Indiana State. And, uh, you know, there were not – this is what kids don't realize today. Two things about shooters today versus shooters back when we, we played. We didn't have breakaway rims. Breakaway rims – make the basket a lot softer so you get rolls back in the day you hit the rim it was a mess and, uh, and especially from distance that's number one and so so the breakaway rims have really changed uh you know there, there's a lot of shooters rims out there a lot more shooters rims than than uh, than back in the day when when we had it you know i just think that the the baskets at Frankfurt that looked like an arena. It was kind of, uh, you know, the, the place was in the round. I loved playing in there. That was the sectional place that we played. And, and so I grew up watching games there. I grew up watching us get our heart, heart beat you know, or heart broke there uh, with losses as a kid watching from the stands. So I always loved to play there. Um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm an old school guy. So I liked the old places that had character. Sheridan had an old gym that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think of some of the other gyms that I played in in high school that that were, to me, anything that wasn't cookie cutter was awesome to me. Had character. I like it. And, and, and even back in my college days, I can give you a list of my favorite places that I played. And, and um, it's not anything modern for sure. Now, now, take us through your the tournament run your junior year, and was your junior year the first time that uh, you started to get attention from scouts? Yeah, I mean, you know, my dad worked in the school. He was an administrator uh, at the elementary at Clinton Central, and so whenever I would get a, you know, something from a recruiter or from a school or anything like that, the coach would take it to my dad. So, you know, I, I really didn't see a lot of that stuff um, until my senior year. But, yeah, I mean, you know, back in those days, there was not AAU. There was not exposure camps and things like that like they have now. Um, so it was, it was pretty much word of mouth. I really don't think I got big-time attention until my senior year um, that, I, that I remember. Um, but but having said that, you know we played. We won. We went the long way in the sectional. We won three games. We beat Clinton Prairie uh, on uh, Tuesday night, and then uh, we beat uh, Tipton on Friday night in Frankfurt in the championship on Saturday night uh, to win the sectional, and then we came back the next week, and that was the region was played all in one day we played Plainfield in the morning and uh i had i had a great regional i mean that's probably that that was just i mean i just played really well both games that day but we played uh Plainfield in the morning and 
and then came back and, and beat a really good North Montgomery team in overtime in the championship Saturday night. And, you know, they were we, – we played a 1-2-2 a sort of a matchup type zone. And it was really tough for people to figure out back in those days. Uh, we were long. We had a really quick point guard who was great up top, and he could come down and rebound from the top. Um, we had a tough, we had a tough zone defense to to to. You'd have to beat us from outside uh, to beat us, and um, and so North Montgomery was very deliberate. I think we won that game. Uh, like in the forties, like maybe forty to thirty-eight in overtime, oh, wow. and only two only two points were scored in overtime. And I just remember they were they were just throwing the ball around the outside, and I played the left top wing of the zone. And I just remember you know they just keep swinging it back and forth, back and forth. You know, going you know they weren't skip passing or anything like that. They were just throwing one man at a time, and uh, it came around and. I'm like kind of sitting there and the guy throws kind of a lazy pass and I wasn't expecting it. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, man, I could have got that. And so I laid in the weeds a little bit and then it came back around and he threw that lazy pass again. I picked it off my point or just took off flying. I threw one up. He scored a layup and that was the only two points of the overtime scored. But, um, weird that you remember stuff like that it's kind of crazy um but but that was a that was a good day when we won that regional and, and, and then so, we went to uh the semi-state at Mackey arena which was a big deal you know that was back in the day when you know you had uh, um frankfurt sectional or frankfurt regional which included you know um all the like lebanon you know, Lebanon came out of that quite a bit. Frankfurt came out of that quite a bit. Uh, you had um, the Lafayette Regional, so you always had, you know, Lafayette Jeff or somebody who could beat Jeff. And you had the Gary uh, Regional. And then I think the Crawfordsville Regional. And so it was a, it was a good, it was a good regional. And then we go to uh, Matthew Arena to play in the semi-state. And how'd you guys do in the semi-state? Your junior year? Well, um, we peed down our legs about the first three minutes <laughs> and got down, you know, like, I think it was 17 6. We got down. And, and, um, we just kept fighting and clawing and clawing and fighting. And, and we got it down to one or two. And, uh, we had chances. We just, we just, I mean, we just didn't play as well as we could early, and it really dug us a big hole. And and we fought our tails off. That that game, that's one of the, you know, you you, you play in games your whole life, and some some of those games that you just, you know, just kill you to lose. And and we lost to Lafayette, Jeff. And to this day, you know, I felt like we were better, but hey, they beat us. Uh, but we were going to play uh, Gary Andrean for the championship because they beat Carmel uh, that morning. And Andrean had Dockage, you know, who went to IU, and they had Bullock, who went to Purdue. They were pretty good. They, they went to back-to-back state finals. Uh, so 
it would have been a tall task, but man, I'd love to play in that state. Now, after the, your semi-state loss, did you guys, you know, who'd you guys have coming back? Did you have big plans for the, the your senior year? Yeah, oh yeah, we had. Uh, um, well, well, I was the leading scorer. I was coming back. Our center was probably the third leading scorer. He's come back. Our second leading scorer was uh, a senior, so we lost him. Uh, you know, the the guy that we lost that that. Um, you know, people don't think about Byron Paget. He he was just one of those guys that, you know, he would go get rebounds like crazy. I mean, he could jump out of the gym. He was mean. He was an awesome teammate. You know, um, to this day, we're we're friends. Um, he was one of those guys that he was hard to replace. Um, and so he, um, we lost him, and that that really hurt because he brought a tough not not just you know, good play to our team, but he brought a toughness and a sort of an edge. You know, Byron was one of those guys that, you know, if you're not careful, he, he might get in a fight. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he, he had, uh, he had a toughness about him and, and so losing him hurt. Uh, but we had, we had our point guard, uh, you know, my senior year, um, we had two, uh, we had a sophomore come in, uh, Jeff Hodson, who ended up playing at Augusta College, which was D1 at that time. Our center played at Franklin. Our point guard played at DePaul, and I played in Indiana State. So we had four college players um, on that team my senior year. And what kind of success did you guys have your senior year? Well, I mean, we had, I mean, we had a really good year. Um uh, we went 19 and one. We lost to Frankfurt the third game of the year, and um, and you know Frankfurt was pretty good, uh, but they, you know, we had no business losing that game. We just they they put it together and they they had a really good uh, game plan. Uh, Coach Milholland there, who's a friend of mine to this day, he he had it all put together and they just outplayed us and. Uh, they beat us, and that was the only team to get us that year. Uh, we went undefeated the rest of the time. We ended up, I think we were ranked uh, 10th in the state in the final poll uh, and finished 19-1. and one. And so the draw comes out, and I'm sitting there going, I want Frankfurt. <laughs> you know, that's the only team that beat us, so I want Frankfurt. And um, so, lo and behold, we got them. And uh, and so we we put it on them pretty good in the first first game of the sectional, um, and uh, that that game was never in doubt. We pretty much jumped them and, and 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 stood on them the whole game. And then we played Friday night against a team Tri Central, who was a really good team, uh, but we we beat twice that year because they were in our holiday tournament, and then they were also a a conference team so we beat them twice in the regular season but both games were just really really close and um, you know that game that game was a back and forth um, deal you know there's a there's a little bit of history to that deal because we were um, we were up I think by one on defense, their ball, clock's kind of winding down. 
a guy takes a shot from the wing. Uh, one of their is a sophomore guard takes a shot. Um, our guy blocks it a little bit, kind of gets a piece of it. I get the rebound, and, you know, it's game over, right? And and the place was so loud that it took a while for the officials to they they call a foul, and it took a while for the officials to stop the clock. It took them a while to to get everything calmed down to say, hey, there's a foul. And um, so in all that madness, they switched shooters and put a senior at the line who was like six for six on the night, but instead of the sophomore. And uh, he hits them both. We've got like three seconds. And uh, so I catch the ball about free throw line extended, take two bounces, pull it from half court on the on the far right side and shot it and I shot a jump shot and I swear to God I thought it was in <laughs> you know it was uh, I mean it was online it was perfect uh, and it just was a little bit long and it hit the back iron about straight up and it, even when it went straight up it looked like it was going to come right down through the through the basket and it it missed, and that was the end of it. Um, that was a that was a tough one to take, but you know what? That loss right there probably did more for me than any win ever did. You know, because I'd had lots of success and uh, had always come out on top, and and uh, and that that loss really taught me a lot and uh, uh, made me appreciate things. Uh, made me appreciate success um, and, uh, you know, taught me that, you know, life's not a bowl of cherries. You know, we, you, you know you're going to have ups and downs, and that was one of the biggest downs uh, of, of my career was losing that game. Rick, what other jersey besides the Indiana State University jersey could you have possibly or may have possibly have worn, but you made your choice to go to Indiana State, and who else recruited you, and why did you go to Indiana State? Well, um, you know, Purdue recruited me pretty hard. Uh, I remember going to a visit to a Purdue game, and um, they were playing Ohio State, and you know they had Herb Williams, Granville Waiters, Kelvin Ramsey, uh, Clark Kellogg, and Purdue, Purdue beat them that day, I remember, but uh, you know, my dad graduated from Purdue. My sister was attending Purdue at the time, so Purdue um, Purdue was a, a, a top option for me if they would have. Uh, I, I just felt like it was Katie's first year, Gene Katie's first year, and uh, Bob King, who's you know a legend at Purdue, and one of the assistant coaches were pretty much the guys that were recruiting me. Katie was, you know, he was coaching team. He was in his first year, and he really didn't come around. And, um, and you know, Mr. King, and I forget the assistant coach's name at the time, they were coming to my games, and they were sending letters, and, and they were talking to my coach, and, and um, you know, they really wanted me, but I really didn't get any attention from Katie. And when I remember when I went on the visit to to the game, you know, they took me back in the locker room after the game, and, you know, everybody was really nice. But, you know, I inter- they introduced me to Katie, and he just kind of like, hey, nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. And it was just kind of like, 
whatever. And so I just didn't feel like I didn't feel like he wanted me as as much as everybody else did. Um, Indiana State and Illinois State were the other two schools that were really recruiting me. But Illinois State, uh, their coaching philosophy, and I had a lot of respect for that program when it went against them for four years. Um, their philosophy was, you know, we're not going to beg you to come here. We want you to come here, but we want you to want to come here. And uh, so it was more of a matter-of-fact type thing. We want you. We want you to want us. Uh, Indiana State, on the other hand, man, I'm telling you, Bill Hodges, I love that guy. Um, he he's the most personal guy. Indiana State came to nine of my twenty. Um, you know, we had twenty regular season games. They 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 came to nine of them. Uh, my senior year and coach Hodges came to four of them including one night he um, he jumped on a plane in Terre Haute flew flew in a private plane from Terre Haute to Lafayette got a rental car drove to Rossville we played Rossville on a Friday night and drove to Rossville and then I come walking in the house after the bus gets back and I come walking in the house, and there is Coach Hodges sitting in my living room drinking a Pepsi and, you know, eating some pie that my mom had and just sitting and talking. And he, I mean, he's like the most awesome, personable guy. I don't know how well you know Coach Hodges, but, man, what a just a down-to-earth guy. And, you know, he really, really uh, recruited me hard. And he was honest. He was he was down to earth. He sit in your living room, and you know you thought he'd been there for twenty years. I mean, right. he just fit in, and um, and he was he was truthful. You know, he said, "I'm not going to tell you you're going to play. You're good enough uh, for sure to play." Uh, but I'll tell you this: if you're better than a senior, you're playing. You know, and uh, it wasn't a wait your turn type thing. And, uh, you know, again, if I had my pick, you know, if everything was equal, I would have been at Purdue. Uh, but um, the way Coach Hodges was, um, man, I, I, I have very fond memories of Coach Hodges and, and that whole recruiting period. And so is that when you really made your decision? Was that night when you got home? Well, that, that certainly helped. I don't know um, – I don't know. I'm trying to think. It was late in the year, uh, but I wanted to get it over with. I was, I was tired of people asking me where I was going, and you know, wasn't. I don't know. I, I'm. It just got to be like, I you know, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. You know, and people would ask you every day, "Where are you going? Where are you going? And have you decided?" And they weren't. They didn't mean anything bad by it, but it just got old, and. Uh, uh, with the attention and the, the things that Coach Hodges had said, you know, um, you know, I really, as a kid growing up, I, I would have said, you know, if I had a, if I had an opportunity to pick Purdue or anybody else, I'd have probably gone to Purdue. Or not probably, I would have, you know, with my dad graduating from there, my sister there, but just something about Coach Hodges, um, uh, just 
just uh, sold me on Indiana State, and I felt like he wanted me. I didn't really feel like Coach Katie, you know, showed that much interest. It was the assistants and and, and those guys, and, and so I wanted to play. You know, my whole thing with picking a college was I didn't want to go sit and just not play. Right. Um, I didn't care what size school I went to as long as I played. And um, so I was going to try to go somewhere that I could play, try to be realistic. A lot of guys say that, um, but they're not realistic. And then they get somewhere and they, they realize they can't play. Like, I'll, I've seen over the years so many people, and they're like, I just want to play. And then they pick a school where there's no way in, you know, God's green earth they're going to be able to play there. And they, they go there, and then they find out they can't. And uh, so I was trying to be as realistic as possible. And I just didn't feel like Coach Katie at that time wanted me. He ended up um, recruiting four guards that year, and got, he got none of them. Um, he was recruiting uh, uh, Rob Harden from uh, Valpo. He was recruiting uh, um, Ballinger, who was a really good player from Jasper. He was recruiting Scott Mugg from Eastern and myself. Those are the four guards that they were recruiting that year. Nobody, I mean, Ballinger went to Kentucky – Harden went to Florida, and Mug and I went to Indiana State. Rick, after your senior year, did you kind of feel kind of uh, jilted that you didn't make the Indiana All-Star squad? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no question about it. Um, I felt like I was um, better than all those guys, honestly. And if you look at my college stats um, – probably bears out you know if you look at my my college career in comparison to the guards they had on that team uh you know i even played against some of them in college and and uh, there was no question i i personally I, and you know you gotta understand basketball players if you're good you gotta have a belief that you're better than people and i, I don't want to come across and sound like this eats at me or anything like that because literally you know it did at the time. I was I was upset, uh, but I also understood I was from a small school, and um, you know, had we had we not lost in the sectional, uh, I'd have probably been on the All Star team, you know. Um, but uh, I um, I felt like I felt like I was better than all those guys, and I still to this day think I am. Uh, not right now. I I don't think I could beat anybody right now, but. <laughs> but but um, but yeah, at the time, yeah, it, it it was a motivator for sure. It it uh, it's uh, it's one of those things that didn't happen and should have happened, but it didn't. And uh, again, you learn from those things, and you know it it made me a better college player because I was on a mission to prove people uh, that I was worthy. You know, it's all it's interesting to look at all of the uh, you know you being a part of a uh, silver anniversary uh, team at the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. If you look at those silver anniversary teams, you know it's kind of like the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame kind of f- fixes the errors that the Indiana All Star uh, uh, Committee kind of didn't correct when they had a chance to. And you know you look at a lot of players who are added to those teams that should have been on the Indiana All Star team, and I agree. I, I I definitely think you should have been on the Indiana All Star team that year. Yeah, I mean 
and I was very grateful to be named to that uh, silver anniversary team. That was a tremendous honor, and and I felt the exact way um, that you just described, which was that that they kind of they they got it right, and uh, I was very appreciative because um, you know that was a that was a tremendous honor, something I'm really proud of. They. Um, um, them recognizing um you know my my career so you get to indiana state university are you are you scared are you nervous do you miss home uh what's your first uh, recollection of getting together with the team and coaches at indiana state when you get there well i wasn't i wasn't scared or anything like that i mean um you know i kids don't understand this to this day but i didn't have a car until after my freshman year i didn't own a car if i wanted in high school if i wanted to take a girl out on a date i had to say dad you know can i uh can i have the car and can i have 20 bucks you know um or 10 or whatever whatever you got you know i kind of got a date and and so i never had a car i mean mom and dad took me to Terre Haute, you know, we had the car packed up and they helped me unpack and I'm pretty much stuck right there on campus. I mean, I couldn't go anywhere. Um, and so I remember, um, my roommate, Scott Mug, he had a car, but his dad didn't let him bring it down right away. So I remember the first time I went home, his dad came down and got us on a Friday afternoon and took us home, dropped me off at my house. And then he went on, took him home and, um, you know, it was just kind of uh, a different experience because you're walking everywhere. You walked to class, you walked to practice, you, you walked everywhere. You didn't, you know, mom would send me a letter and she put, <laughs> this, this is how naive and young and all that stuff was, but she'd put a $20 bill and she'd send me a letter and put a $20 bill in there. Well, I didn't, I didn't spend any money. I didn't have any. I didn't have a car. I didn't need gas. Uh, we got training table and we got three meals a day. So, I, you know, I had like three hundred dollars folded up, you know, in my wallet because I didn't, you know, I sure as heck didn't grow up spending money. And uh, so, uh, you know, it was just a pretty simple, pretty simple existence, but. From a basketball standpoint, man, we had some talent. Uh, my freshman year, um, we had some guys. We had two guys that ended up playing in the NBA uh, on my freshman team. Uh, but, you know, little did I know that Indiana State had kind of told Coach Hodges, you know, you need to win or else. And, um, and it, you know, so he had to bring in, he brought in a bunch of new guys. And, you know, one of the things that people don't realize about that time, um, Indiana State had a recruit from Terre Haute South by the name of Kevin Thompson. This guy was 6'9", really good ball player. I mean, he was a, he was a, this is the type of guy we're going to build around type of a player. I've always heard that he was like the second coming of Larry Bird. Yeah, I don't know he's that good. I don't know. I don't think we've seen. I don't think we've seen the second coming of Larry Bird. Uh, I can tell you stories about playing with Larry too, but but um, but Kevin Thompson was really really good, 
and he was kind of the cornerstone of what Coach Hodges was going to build around. And then, uh, unfortunately, he got cancer, and um, and ended up, uh, you know, not being able to play, and ended up passing away. But he, you know, a lot of people don't give Coach Hodges the credit that he deserves. You know, he had he had it going, and you know he. You know, the year after Bird left, they they won, still won 19 games, but they had Carl Nix and Brad Miley and Alex Gilbert. I mean, they had they had some players, and um, and then uh, and then uh, you know losing Kevin was a was a big blow to the program, and so then he was playing catch up, and you know I, I think that the 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 town of Terre Haute was kind of unfair to Coach Hodges. You know, I know firsthand how good of a coach he was. And I won't even say good, how great of a coach Coach Hodges was. I mean, that guy, he taught me more about basketball in one season than I can even begin to tell you. I mean, I still, I still, when I'm teaching things, I still say things that Coach Hodges told me and taught me. Uh, you know, I, I was not, you know, when you're talking about Missouri Valley Conference, I was, I was not a great athlete, you know, six four, skinny. I could shoot it, dribble it, pass it. Uh, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one of those guys going to go out and lock people up, and you know, not that type of a player. You know, I was an offensive player that tried to stay in front of my man on defense. And Coach Hodges taught me how to guard guys that were quicker than me, and uh, you know. He's got me picking the ball up 94 feet. I'm guarding the ball completely 94 feet up and down the court. And, um, and so, um, you know, I have, I have tremendous respect for Coach Hodges. But back to your, back to your point, we had an incredible amount of talent. We just didn't have the ability to come together. We had, um, I think, 11 new players that year. And nine were from junior colleges because he had to just try to get people. You know, it's kind of in panic mode. Two of us were freshmen, my mug and myself. And so we um, we struggled. Uh, but basically, it wasn't from a lack of talent. It wasn't from a lack of coaching. It was a lack of uh, gelling together. You know, when you you don't know somebody, you don't know how they're going to react. And I tell kids this all the time. That's the beauty of high school basketball. You grew up with these guys. You played with them, you know, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. You know them backwards and forwards. You were in recess with them. You know how they're going to respond. You know who's going to be there in the battles and um, and uh, who the tough guys are, who you can count on, who you can trust. And then you get into a college situation, and you have no idea what these guys are made of. You don't know who's going to quit, who's going to fold, who's going to start pointing fingers, you know. And and so it, it, it's a lot tougher in college to uh, get that. That's why I was really impressed with with what Kentucky did this past year because they're all brand new guys. They haven't played with each other for for two or three years. They're just, you know they met you know probably in the summer and played pickup games and. And got to know each other. Some of them may have played AAU or whatever a little bit together, but man, you know it's tough putting guys together like that and then going out in battle and playing against a veteran team that you know knows what's going to happen before it happens. 
knows what this guy's going to do, what that guy's going to do. So we struggled not from a talent standpoint, not from a coaching standpoint, but from a team chemistry uh, gelling together, understanding each other standpoint. During your freshman year, what was a uh, – this is going to be an unusual question. What was your, like, oh, crap moment, you know, I'm playing in the big leagues, and then what was your, uh, oh, uh, snap, this is uh, this is uh, this is something that's that's going to be really fun. Okay, well the oh crap moment. <laughs> we're playing it was the first game of the year. It was a it was an exhibition game against a team from you know foreign team. Uh, I think they're I can't remember Doncaster, England, or something like that. These guys were like you know late twenties. They were older, you know, beards. You know, a couple of them you know looked like they'd been around the block a few times and. Very experienced group, and you know I have no idea where I am in the mix. I know I'm not starting for sure, and so um, you know we we go out for a warm up, you know, and and then we go back down, and I left my warm up pants on, you know, thinking well, I'm not going to play in the first half. You know, I'll probably get in late in the game. You know, a little mop up time, and um, and so. You know, I, I have no idea. Um, you know that that I might I might go in the first half, so I left my warm up pants on like a fool, and then probably six minutes in, I don't know, I don't know. It was early in the first half, Coach. I was even sitting down, kind of at the end of the bench, kind of thinking, okay, I'm a freshman. Um, you know, and and so he comes down and goes, Rick. And man, I couldn't even get my pants off hardly <laughs> to get in <laughs> because it was before the day of uh, the tearaways, right? Yeah, you know? and uh, so I'm trying to get my warm-up pants over my shoes <laughs> and and thinking, oh crap, I'm going in this game, <laughs> and and so um, I got in there a little little nervous, a little scared, um, but. You know, I made I made a couple passes that were where you know you hear the crowd go ooh. You know, <laughs> there was like a, a a long rebound, and I did a tip pass down to a guy for a layup right off the bat. And you know, I was a uh, a lot of people talk about my shooting, but I was probably more pow- proud of my passing ability because I I I really like to I really like to make people look bad with with a great pass and so I did a tip pass um, down to a guy for a layup got a little ooh and then did another pass you know a few minutes later and got a little ooh and ah from the crowd like hey you know we haven't seen this in a while and, and uh, so it kind of all happened in the same game like hey I can do this um, and and uh, then 15 games in I got my first start I'll never forget it and your first start was against who? Southern Illinois, the Salukis at Southern Illinois. And, uh, and you know, Coach Hodges never told me, hey, you're starting. It was just whenever we did uh, stuff when we were preparing that that week, um, I was always with the first unit. And he never came to me and said, hey, you're going to start um, Saturday or what? I don't even know what night the game was on. It may have been a Thursday night game or a Saturday. I can't remember, but but he never he never said anything to me 
But I remember calling Dad and saying, hey, I might be starting. He's got me with the starters all week, you know, and I'm, I may be starting this game. And Dad's like, really? And uh, I'm like, yeah. I mean, he hasn't said anything, but he's got me with him. And, and so we went to Carbondale, and um, I remember we, you know, we you get through, we bus to Carbondale, which is just beautiful. A beautiful drive, you know, uh, drive riding in a bus from Terre Haute to Carbondale, Illinois. You know, it's stuff you'll never forget, right? <laughs> and uh, and so we're we're on the bus, and when we get there, we check into the hotel, and then we go to uh, practice, and we come back from practice, and then we go out to dinner, come back in, and we got maybe an hour before we got to watch film, and the phone rings in the hotel in my room and I wasn't even in my room and my roommate like comes and gets me I was in somebody else's room comes and gets me and says you got a phone call and I'm like phone call nobody even knows where we are you know how, how do I have a phone call so I get on the phone it's my mom and she's like hey what are you doing and I'm like oh we just had practice and we got a little time here before film you know, and uh, just hanging out with the guys and whatever. She goes, well, why don't you come see me? I said, what do you mean? She goes, we're here. We're here in the hotel. We're in room such and such. So they heard I was starting or felt like I might start, so they drove to Carbondale and uh, checked into the hotel we were at. And, awesome. And uh, so they were there for that first start, which was really cool really cool i remember getting introduced and just looking over because the family always sat right behind the bench and looking over and man that look on mom's face and <laughs> dad's face was pretty pretty priceless at any time during your freshman year uh did you have any kind of uh, uh introduction to larry bird did he would he ever show up to, at practice or did uh were him and coach hodges pretty tight or yes absolutely in fact before the uh, before the season, before our practices started, um, we were playing pickup games, and uh, Coach Hodges calls is before we were getting ready to play one day. And Coach Hodges calls me in his office, and um, so I'm like, okay, what you know, wonder what I did, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, so I go in his office and Bird's sitting in there. Holy crap! Do you, and, do you, wait, wait, wait. Do you yeah. remember, do you remember your thought process though when you walked into the office and you saw Larry Bird sitting yeah, there? Yeah, I was like, that, that's Larry Bird, <laughs> you know. And uh, and he's sitting in there, and and there was this girl on the girls' basketball team that Hodges thought I should ask out on a date, <laughs> and he's like, Hey, you need to ask out, you know, such and such, blah blah blah. And I don't even know why he's, you know even saying this to me and I'm half embarrassed anyway and Bird's like well can, can he find a girl you know like like I was inept at finding a girlfriend or whatever like like Hodges had to try to help me find a girl so that was my first introduction to Bird was in Hodges' office and he's making fun of me and I I didn't need the help uh, but Hodges thought I did I guess but yeah you know when, when Larry when Larry came in the first day he was kind of sick, and uh, he had a really bad cold. Um, and we played, and and there was this guy 
that his name was Lee Stevens, and we called him Doc because he thought he was Dr. J. <laughs> and and uh, and honestly, Lee kind of put it on Larry that day. Larry was sick. He just looked slow. He didn't, you know, he probably hadn't played in a while. He, you know, been sick and everything like that. He just he just looked bad, as bad as Larry Bird can look. You just you know what I mean. But you know, Lee did score on him quite a bit, and you know, it was kind of a underwhelming performance by Larry that day. And so we're sitting at training table that night, and Doc is sitting there going, "Man, Bird's not that good." Bird's not that good. I mean, this is 19, the, this is the fall of 1981. So Larry's been in the league, what, uh, he won rookie of the year. So he's going into his second year in the NBA. So he's rookie of the year in the pros. And, um, and so he's just like, man, he's not that good. I'm like, you're, you're an idiot. You know, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, okay, well, we'll see tomorrow. Because Larry would always come and play with us for, for a week before he'd go to Boston for training camp, and so the next day we're like, "Hey, Doc, you got Larry," you know, kind of like we know what's coming, and uh, so they throw it to first play of the game, throw it to Bird on the right wing, he sweep drives, one bounce, reverse dunk, and everybody just dies laughing, like you know, Lee's eyes get big, like, "Oh, here comes a butt whooping." And sure enough, man, he put it on him. Was Larry, a, uh, you know, they, they say he was, a, a you know, maybe one of the top ten trash talkers of all time. Did he trash talk during uh, those kind of practice um, things? I don't think, I, you know, I'll answer that two different ways. Number one, we weren't good enough for him to trash talk us too much, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but no, he he was really quiet. The first day, he didn't say anything to anybody. And the second day, he would maybe say a few things. The third day, he's flat out trash talk, making fun of you, you know, just he's going. And it was pretty fun. But, you know, you'd catch yourself um, watching him, yeah. you know. And, you know, you, you'd have to remember, hey, I got I to gotta play out here. You know, he'd throw a no look to you and you're not ready. Um, but yeah, he, he was a, he was a as I as I describe him, he was a brilliant basketball player. I mean, he was the smartest basketball player I've ever shared the floor with. Uh, just some of the things that he did, I can't even begin to to think how he dreamed some of the stuff up. But but you know, the amazing thing about him was he his shot was the softest shot I've ever seen in my life. Like he, he would, he arched it quite a bit, especially when he was fading, lots of arch. But when his ball hit the rim, you know, if you, if you shoot a ball right now and, and you put a lot of arch on it and it hits the rim, it's going to bounce pretty high. And his ball would just kind of just melt into the rim if it ever hit the rim. You know, I mean, it just, I don't know how he did it. Uh, but he was he he was amazing uh, shooter, and it wasn't textbook. It wasn't pretty, uh, but man, I'm a I'm a results driven guy. I don't care what it looks like, man. That thing goes in. I love it. Uh, what were your feelings when they let uh, Coach Hodges go, and what was the time frame before you knew who the next head coach was going to be? Well, I mean, I. 
I was disappointed, hurt, frustrated, wondering if I made a mistake, you know, going to Indiana State um, because, you know, the guy that I loved and the guy that recruited me and the guy that, you know, I was playing for and, you know, gave everything I had for, uh, I felt like got a raw deal. Um, and so um, I remember the athletic director coming in and sitting down with us and talking to us um, one day um, right at the end of the season and um, when they announced that Coach Hodges wasn't going to be back. And and um, I remember that. And then uh, sometime that spring, I think, was when they introduced Coach Shellhouse to us. And the only thing I knew about him was he's a Purdue All-American. You know, I didn't know anything about his coaching or anything like that, but I knew he was a Purdue All-American. And what was your initial, uh, you know, when you met with, with Coach Shellhouse, met with the team, did you feel a little bit better about the situation or where did it take a little time to get used to? Well, I mean, he, he, he is the polar opposite of coach Hodges. And when, and what do you um, mean? And what do you mean by that? Give me an example. Well, coach Hodges was a defensive coach and coach Shellhouse was an offensive coach. Okay. And you know, you, you look at, you know, I always admire the coaches that, that are really good on both sides of the, both sides of the, of the court uh those are the great 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 coaches but coach hodges was just brilliant defensively and um and he wasn't it wasn't that he was a bad offensive coach at all uh but man he he could teach defense like nobody and uh and, but coach shellhouse came in and he wanted to go up tempo and we really didn't talk about defense much that first year i mean it was pretty much Coach Shaw's philosophy, and I I heard this out of his mouth. You got a scholarship, stop him, you know, and um, and so it wasn't it wasn't the same type of defensive scheme concept that Coach Hodges had, but man, offensively, we pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. I bet I've done more five on zero fast break stuff than anybody in the history of basketball i mean we did it that's how we started every practice was fast break fast break uh, five on zero running through different options on fast breaks and then we got up and down the floor and we put the ball in the basket we scored a bunch we just didn't guard people (laughs) you know we averaged if you look at some of our our games the three years that i played for coach shellhouse i mean I mean, it was nothing for us to score. I mean, we—I've scored over a hundred points. Been on a team that scored over a hundred points and lost by ten. You know, I mean, we got up and down, and there was no three-point line. There was no shot clock, and I always laugh at all these people nowadays talking about how are we going to get the scoring up in college basketball. Well, let me just tell you, all these coaches that want to complain about the scoring in college basketball are the reason there's no scoring in college basketball because they just they want to call a set play every trip they want to walk it up they want you know we didn't i don't remember ever walking it up you know <laughs> ever i mean even when we were you know out of a timeout i mean you know we had to go the length of the court or whatever we're 
we're getting it up there and getting it in the scoring position as quickly as possible. And, um, and so it was a fun way to play. Um, but you know, we didn't win enough. And so that was, that was hard, hard to deal with. Rick, what, what did, um, was, was there a lot left over, uh, from coach Hodges coming into your sophomore year or did, uh, um, a coach Shellhouse bring in like a, almost a new crew or you almost had a new team from the previous year? Yeah, we had pretty much a new team because uh, a lot of the guys left. Some of them um, didn't make it academically. Some of them didn't make it, you know, because of some things that you know. We had we had some we had some renegades, you know. We had some guys that you know did some things that you know, just like holy cow! I'm from Michigan Town, Indiana. I didn't know guys were capable of this, but um, <laughs> but. You know, so we had um, we had a few few guys back. Probably, I don't know. I want to say six or seven guys back, and the rest were new guys. But you know, uh, Coach Shaw's his his basically his first recruit was John Sherman Williams from Indianapolis, Washington. Right. And um, that was that was a get, and I'm telling you, he could play. Um, he he was a great great basketball player and uh extremely talented and, and a better guy what would you what were you guys missing at indiana state that you needed to be successful well i really think that if if we would have uh um you know if we would have blended coach hodges and coach shellhouse with uh as much detail to defense as offense would have been hard to deal with uh, because, like I said, Coach Coach Hodges could really teach team defense. And it wasn't about one guy stopping another guy. It was about five guys stopping whoever. And, uh, and you know, Coach Giles, he even said, he goes, we're putting in the offense this year. Let's go. You know, and, and it was pretty much a offensive – uh, thing that we that we worked on, you know, my sophomore year. Again, we I, I think at one time we were tenth in the nation in scoring, and we were sub five hundred. You know, so it wasn't because we couldn't score; it was because we didn't guard. Now, every every small Division One school, um, you know, a lot of times the difference is, uh, you know, we've got a Six eight or six nine center, and they've got a six ten six eleven center. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of. Uh, I remember going in playing Minnesota, and uh, you know they had Randy Brewer with seven four. Oh yeah. And and then they had Jim Peterson, who was listed at like six eleven, but he had to be like six eleven and you know <laughs> seven seven eight. You know, I mean he was. He was huge. Um, they had three seven-footers on the roster, and we rolled in with a six-nine center, and you know six-six and six-five forwards. You know, so you're pretty much undersized against the big boys. Um, you know, so so rebounding is a premium. You know, and and so that that's what makes it tough when you're an Indiana State rolling into a bigger school. Is basically you're 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 undersized, uh, 
at the three, four, and five position typically. Rick, nothing against Coach Shellhouse, but do you think that if uh, Coach Hodges would have been allowed to stay or would have kept his job, that you guys would have gelled and became a, a pretty special unit? Oh, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, he he was a joy to play for, and I and I'm not saying Coach Shellhouse wasn't. Um, I'm just saying I had had such a you know he was the guy who recruited me. I believed in what he was doing, and. Um, and, and, yes, I mean, I, I really felt like with the guys that we had, I mean, we had, like I said, we had two guys who played in the NBA um, on that team. And uh, we, just had, we just had some, some real talent. And, um, and, and I think if we'd had more time together as a group, we would have uh, – we would have done some things. Now, don't get me wrong. Missouri Valley in those days was unreal. Uh, Missouri Valley Conference, you know, you had you had some really top heavy. You had uh, Wichita State that had Antoine Carr, Cliff Livingston, uh, Xavier McDaniel was my age. So as a freshman, Xavier McDaniel didn't even see the floor. But as a junior and senior, he's still the only guy in college basketball history to lead the NCAA and scoring and rebounding right and he did that my junior and senior year um you know Antoine Carr and Cliff Livingston played more than 10 years in the NBA and uh you know they were really good my freshman year Wichita State this is before they went on probation um uh had Greg Dryling was a seven foot center who ended up transferring to Kansas um after they went on probation then you had Tulsa with Nolan Richardson as a coach, and he had Paul Pressey, who played for 13 or 14 years for the Milwaukee Bucks. And they had they had more six nine athletic guys that could run the floor and press. I mean, it was it was uh, the first time anybody really understood or heard about 40 minutes of hell. And he basically he won the junior college national championship basically brought his JUCO team with him to Tulsa and they were in the top 20 uh, almost every year um, that I was there and so you know you got Wichita State and Tulsa is going to be at the top Illinois State was probably the best coach team in the country or in the conference I should say with Bob Donawald uh, was a Bob Knight disciple and they would motion offense the heck out of you They'd take away your strengths defensively and uh, make you do it, you know, a, a, a different way. Um, they were just really well coached and hard to play against. You had Bradley, who in 19, I want to say after my freshman year, Bradley had two guys drafted in the first round. One was David Thirdkill. I think the Celtics took him. And Mitchell Anderson, I think the Philadelphia 76ers took him in the first round. And uh, they had a point guard named Willie Beep Beep Scott, which you can understand by his nickname, he was pretty quick. Um, and they were coached by Dick Versace right. uh, at that time. And then Versace moved on. And then Bradley, they got rid of those guys. And in comes Hersey Hawkins and Jim Less was their backcourt. Um, and and so that was another juggernaut of our conference was Bradley. 
um, you know, and then you had Creighton, which had uh, Willis Reed was the coach, and uh, and their star player was uh, Benoit Benjamin, who was a seven footer who played for a lot of years in the NBA, um, and uh, they were well coached by Willis. They had a guy by the name of Vernon Moore that nobody's ever heard of. He's from New York. Dude could play, um, and a lot of nice nice guys with him so it was a Missouri Valley Conference of those days well and, and you even got early in my Missouri Valley Conference days you had New Mexico State which had a guy by the name of uh, Steve Coulter and uh, Steve Coulter played he played on uh, for the Bulls with Michael um, after the fact so there's a lot of NBA guys in the Missouri Valley Conference at that time Rick, what was your most what what would you say was your your, your best game or your the funnest game that you played uh, during your four years at Indiana State? And, oh, it could, and it and it could be from an offensive standpoint, or you know, you guys just had a blast, or you know, it's just you know, because I'm going opposite on the next question, which was you know uh, any uh, entanglements with uh, other teams? Did you guys have? Yeah, I, you know, there's. There's a couple. I, I can't just say one. There's a couple of games um, that are memorable. One was my freshman year. Tulsa was ranked tenth in the nation, and they came in. and Coach Hodges had a scouting report on these guys. I mean, that was the forty minutes of hell team. And you know, I mean, he had a scouting report. He said, you know, if we can take some time off the clock on each possession, but act like we're trying to score they'll get tired of playing defense and we'll have whatever shot we want. And a lot of a lot of teams don't understand that concept to this day. When I watch teams, and they'll go out there and put the ball on their hip and hold the ball. Well, all that does is tell the other team, hey, we're holding the ball, we're trying to drain the clock. And, and so they'll change the defense, go to the half-court trap, go to, you know, change, change something up so you can't drain the clock. Well, what we did was we drained the clock the whole game, but we were acting like we were trying to score. We're looking in the post. We're cutting hard. We're reversing the ball. We're shot faking. And it looks like we're trying to score and just can't get a shot off. And we were taking time off the clock, and uh, and we beat them. And uh, that taught me, you know, how to, how to, you know, play against a better team and uh, – kind of deceive them. I see coaches screw that up all the time today's world where they go out and stand at half court and hold the ball and, and if you want to drain clock act like you're trying to score and uh, and you can take 30 or 40 seconds off the clock on a possession if you got an 8 or 10 point lead down the stretch you're taking 30 seconds off the clock before you really score that uh, makes that game a lot shorter and uh, so we beat Tulsa. They were ranked tenth in the nation my freshman year. That was a that was a huge, huge game for us. Um, my sophomore year, I would say at Evansville, I broke my thumb like the first game of the year, and uh, I caught a pass off my left thumb, and my thumb went all the way back to my wrist. So my thumb is just like hanging there, and I played for another minute or two because I I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go out of the game and you know I mean 
back in those days, you didn't have AAU. I mean, you you practiced all summer for whatever your season was. I mean, you didn't have extra games and get to play all this stuff. And so it's our first game. It's actually an exhibition game, and here I am with a broken thumb out there. But so I played the first three games with a broken left thumb, and I had a splint on my thumb, so I really couldn't. I really couldn't do much of anything, um, and you know I just went to Ball State, and you know I just didn't play well. My brother was living in Muncie at the time. He brought his friends. I stunk it up. You know I just couldn't do anything, and and then we're playing at Evansville like later that week, and Doc Binky, who was a great trainer, he's our trainer. He he uh, built this new splint for me where I could do everything that I needed to do. I could feel the ball with my thumb, but it still gave me the support. And I, you know, of course, coming off of a terrible game, I'm sure I'm not on their radar. I'm a freshman, or I'm a, yeah, uh, I'm a sophomore. And, uh, you know, I haven't done anything all year because of a broken thumb. And I got 16 the first half and 16 the second half with no three points. No three point line, and uh, and so I remember getting out of that game and calling my brother at like two o'clock in the morning <laughs> to let him know that I redeemed my family name that night. Uh, but that was a big one because that was the first time Coach Shellhouse went back to Evansville, and he wanted to win that one really bad. And uh, so I made him happy that night because we we beat him. So I, I remember that game pretty well but the my favorite game ever was um we were playing it was a saturday and it was at drake and um it was the missouri valley conference game of the week and um and they're they're killing us the first half i mean we can't we can't get a call we can't do anything and this guy was like ripping my head off jacking me with his elbow on screens and I'm telling the officials like hey you know watch this guy's elbows on these screens and the rest kind of like looking at me like suck it up buddy you know and you know so I was ticked and we're getting beat and we're playing bad and everything like that so we're in a halftime and Sherman says hey cap I got him I'll take care of it and I'm thinking you know he's going to He's going to get a shot in. That's what you did back in the days. You know, you you give him a shot, and that pretty much cleans it up, you know. But it wasn't like today's world where it's all over Sports Center because they got cameras in every corner of every gym. You know, I mean, that, it was a, a self-policed atmosphere <laughs> back in those days. And so, if, you know, if somebody's getting after you and your enforcer goes and, and uh, you know, goes back at them and, and then everybody starts playing basketball. So, but Sherm, I had no idea what he meant. You know, I thought he's just going to get a shot in on the guy and, you know, make it clean and make it look, you know, like a like a shot and just talk to him about it. And he goes out the first play of the game and just like jacks this guy and gets thrown out of the game. <laughs> he's averaging like twenty five a game. We're getting drilled, and you know. Our stud, leading scorer, just gets thrown out of the game trying to protect our point guard, who's the third leading scorer. That makes no sense whatsoever. 
And so he gets thrown out. We come back. We got ticked off. We come back and made a, a come from behind victory. I remember mom and dad, because they couldn't get Missouri Valley Conference TV, but it was on in Terre Haute. I remember them. They went to my apartment and uh, and uh, watched the game on my TV back in Terre Haute. And I just, it was just like one of the one of the most fun wins because we really felt like we were playing five on eight, and uh, there was nothing they could do about it. We came back and just drilled them and, and won it. It was on TV. It's a Saturday afternoon, and uh, it was, that was that was a great win because we did it without Sherm, and I felt bad because he got thrown out trying to protect me. And that's not even his personality at all. Yeah. At all, at all. That's why I didn't, you know, like, I didn't think that he was going to go out and jack a guy. I just thought, you know, he'll get a shot in, you know, and and uh, things will be fine and everybody start playing, playing right, you know. But yeah, he 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 protected his friend. <laughs> uh, Rick, you know, we, we we all know what travel's like today for these kids in college basketball. But what was travel like uh, uh, while you were at Indiana State? Well. You know, it's funny. I um, somebody asked me this the other day, and and it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Um, you know, when when you have a road game, basically your schedule goes like this. You know, we always had to have our classes between eight and twelve anyway because we had to practice in the afternoon. So you go to, go to class in the morning, and then you go home. If you haven't packed, you're pack you're packing up, and then you would go to um, the airport, and you know it was a it was a charter plane. You know, in Terre Haute Airport wasn't like airports are today. You know, it's pretty much you park in the front row, you get out of your car, you lock it up, and you'll you'll be back in about four or five days. But uh, you jump on a plane for for two or three hours, you land. There's a bus waiting on you. The bus takes you to the hotel. You check in. You get your room. You get dressed for practice in your room. You go back out. You get on the bus, and then you go to the arena and you practice. And the one thing that I thought was, you know, it was much different in college than it was in in high school was, you know, the day before a game practice in high school was the funnest, easiest. You know, you didn't do anything. It's a walk through. He didn't, you know. You didn't run up and down. You didn't run at all. And in college, we're going like two hours up and down the court, working on this, doing that, and, you know, you, you got after it. And then uh, afterwards, you get back on the bus, you go back to the hotel, you shower up, you change clothes, you get back on the bus, you go out to dinner, then you come back and you have maybe an hour, and then like at 10 o'clock, they'll show you film for about 45 minutes, and then it's bedtime at 11. And they wake you up at 8 o'clock, eat breakfast, go back to the room, get dressed for the shoot-around, and go out and get on the bus about 9.45, got to shoot around at 10.30. And then you get back to the hotel maybe about 12.30 or 1 o'clock from the shoot-around. And then uh, you've got like three hours because we eat pregame meal at 4 o'clock. And uh, so you eat your pregame meal. They have the pregame meal usually at the hotel. Um, it was the same pregame meal for four years. Two steaks, baked potato, uh, a vegetable, and 
uh, one scoop of ice cream. That was the, it was the same pregame meal for four years. I assume that's supposed to make you better, but um, but we had it for four straight years. And so you eat your pregame meal at four o'clock. You go back to you go back to your room, and you're pretty much packing up because after the game, uh, you, you get on the bus and you go to go to the game. But you're you're not going to go back to the hotel afterwards unless you're flying commercial. If you're flying charter, you just go straight from the gym after the game to the airport, get on the plane, and it may be midnight, and you got a two- or three-hour flight back, and you land in Terre Haute, and you get in a cold car and uh, hope it starts and uh, get back get back to your room at 3, 3.30 in the morning, and then you got class the next day and practice the next afternoon. So it's not, you know... It's not like what you what you would imagine for it at all. Any close calls? Oh man! Hey, look, <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody still alive that flew these planes, but we flew when we flew a charter. It was Brit Airlines out of Terre Haute, and I'm not kidding you. That I mean, the first flight I ever flew on. Well, we went to Penn State, and it was a beautiful day. It was the first time I'd ever flown on a plane. I'd never been on an airplane. I'm from Michigantown, Indiana. My parents, you know, were hardworking, uh, middle-class people. We never, we didn't even take vacations, let alone fly. And, uh, you know, if it was a vacation, it was a car ride to Michigan to see family or something like that. We didn't, you know, I never saw Florida or anything like that, and that, and, and, and trust me, I'm not complaining. I had a great, great childhood. Um, but, but yeah, I'm riding on my first airplane ride. I got my seatbelt on. The guys are making fun of me because I'm the only one that's not flown. And the guys are making fun of me. And uh, and so I put my seatbelt on. We fly right over the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It was beautiful. And I'm just amazed. I'm looking out the window I'm like, holy cow, there's the track. And we fly and we land somewhere in Ohio and gas it up, and um, and we get back on and we're flying and we start getting over the mountains and all of a sudden the plane starts hitting major bad turbulence and I mean bad and everybody's head hit the roof of the plane except mine because I had my seatbelt on nobody else had their seatbelt on and you want to talk about watching guys try to get their seatbelt on really quick. And then I was like, yeah, who's laughing at who now, you know? And, but yeah, we had, we had a flight one time and the, the cool thing about flying those little planes, um, first of all, everybody's too big for the seats. You know, I was one of the little guys and I was six, four. And, uh, so everybody, nobody fits in these little seats. Uh, but the, the pilots, they didn't have like a cockpit door. They had a curtain. And most of the time, they didn't even bother to close it, you know. And so they'd leave that curtain open so you could, like, look out down the down the aisle of the plane and look out and see the runway when you're landing, which was cool because, you, ne- you know, you never really get that view. You're always looking out the side. And we come out of the clouds one time to go in for a landing, and... We look up and the runway's going the other way. Like we're coming in, you know, at a 90 degree angle from the where the runway is. And so he gets back on it, 
takes it up, does a little loop-de-loop, and, and lands. And we're like, What's, what was that, you know? He's out there smoking a cigarette, and his hand's shaking and everything like that. And <laughs> like, what was that? He goes, oh, these these damn planes, the the the, the, the instruments just aren't very good. <laughs> That's what we fly on, you know, 90% of our trips were, you know, charters out of Terre Haute, Brit Airlines. So, yeah, we had close calls. Um, just, uh, you know, we, but, but I made it. So we made it on all of them. Rick, did you, when you graduated from Indiana State University, did you, did you want to take a path down basketball or uh, what path did you take after uh, college? I, I, um, I was always, I was always looking forward to getting into the, into the working force, and uh, getting on with my life. Um, you know, I wasn't good enough to play in the NBA. Um, you know, I looked at possibly going overseas, um, and really didn't pursue it uh, like I, like I, you know, probably regret not pursuing it and playing for a few years just to see some some different things at that time i was kind of burnt out i mean you know it's a grind and uh and um so i didn't really go after it like i like i could have uh i i sort of regret it not totally but i sort of regret it it's a decision i made so i i live with it i hate i hate regret in my life period um but but yeah i i wish i'd have pursued it a little bit more what do you do now, Rick? I'm an athletic director for two middle schools. So I'm around sports all day, every day. Uh, so do you, uh, what do you think about, uh, and, well, since you uh, stated that, what do you think about the uh, state of uh, high school basketball in the state of Indiana today? Well, it's never going back. I mean, I, I was always a big fan of the one-class tournament. I grew up on the one-class tournament, but I will say this. Um, you know, these schools are so big uh, that, you know, the smaller schools wouldn't, you know, it would take just an amazing, amazing, amazing uh, team to, to get past some of these bigger schools. Um, you know, again, uh, I, you know, I loved the one-class tournament. I loved that it was that way when I played in it. But it's never going back. So I just appreciate the tournament in general. I love sectional time. I love sectional draw Sunday, sitting there in front of the TV and watching the watching the the teams come up and seeing who who who's playing who. I, I mean, it brings back great memories and, and and I love everything about it. Rick, we went long. We gave we gave the listeners a little bonus material. So uh, I I appreciate your time on the Keeping the Stouts Alive show. Uh, you're amazing. I think everybody's going to really enjoy this program, and I thank you for taking some time with us today. Well, hey, I just want to say thank you to you for for your passion, and and not only just passion, but everything that you're doing because you're bringing back the nostalgia. I love I love the 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 interviews you've done. You've got some great interviews. Sometimes I wonder why you're talking to me because these guys are heroes to me. And uh, I just want to say thanks for, for all that you do and keeping that nostalgia alive because 
uh, I tell you, it's a great time in, in a lot of people's lives, and uh, it's stuff that we, you know, obviously will never forget and remember weird little details, but it's great, and uh, I'm glad to have been a very small part of it. Thank you very much, Rick.